0: Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests experience.
1: So this week, we're speaking to Rosie Jane and Marco Alandi about their experiences within academia.
0: Uh, It's a steep learning curve, like you think, you know, yeah, I know a little bit about research before you go into it. Um, But like, it's a very steep learning curve. And just make sure that, you know, you are in a you're in a team that's very supportive, so ask for help when you need it. And I think, I don't know, people that probably apply for these kind of posts are normally used to just being like, yeah, I'll get on and do it. But it's knowing and recognizing when to you know, seek guidance.
2: And then, yes, I like, I like the teamwork that, that comes with it because uh, there is definitely an element related to self-drive in this kind of post, but uh, uh, the key to success is then establishing your, your team and making it uh sort of uh, functional and working for you as well
0: with your host josh hudson
1: so rosie's a dct acf at birmingham and marco's a acl at the eastman um, if everybody's uncertain what those acronyms mean i'm sure we'll get onto it at some point because i wasn't that sure myself until recently if you could just introduce yourselves and give us a little brief background about yourself. So Rosie, if you wanna go first.
0: Yeah, sure. So my name's Rosie. Um, I am from Plymouth. Um, I studied dentistry in Birmingham. Um, I then worked in Cheltenham um, in my FD year in like a mixed NHS, uh, private practice. Uh, I then went to London at the Eastman. I did a restorative post for DCT one, and now I'm just coming into my second year as a DCT ACF in Birmingham.
1: Perfect. And Marco with brief history.
2: Uh, so I graduated as a dentist in Italy. Uh, and, uh, since my graduation, I decided to start an academic uh, career. So I spent the first three years of my, after my graduation, uh, collaborating with my, uh, department, uh, at the university of Rome, Tor Vergata. And then I decided to move to the, to the UK to start working as a research associate at the East Dental Institute. That's where I, uh, then, um, started a PhD, uh, that. I completed uh, in 2016, and, and then that gave me the opportunity to apply for the NIHR CL.
1: Sounds good. So out of interest, what was your PhD in? Uh,
2: the association between uh, periodontitis and the uh, cardiovascular uh, system. Okay,
1: um, so I think, yeah, we might as well get straight into explaining these acronyms then. So we've got ACF, ACL, what, what does all that mean? So Rosie, you're a, a DCT ACF. What does that mean for anybody that doesn't know what, okay. what that term no, means? no that's fine.
0: So ACF it stands for Academic Clinical Fellow. So the post is an academic clinical fellowship. Um, so it's funded by the NIHR um, and it basically gives dental professionals, so if you apply for the dental ACF role, um, the ability to undertake clinical um, training as a DCT, um, but also to have protected research time. So a quarter of your week um, should be protected to have um, research activities. So um, undertaking lab work, um, planning your research project. And the overall aim at my stage as a DCT um, ACF is to get involved in some research, start uh, maybe like a pilot study to get some data so you can then look to put it towards a competitive application for a PhD. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more. <laughs> okay,
1: that's fine. Uh, and Marco, you mentioned a few different academic kind of roles that you've had up until this point. So ACL was the, the one that you're undertaking at the moment. What does that mean? And what different other options are there in
2: academics? So, um, once you complete uh, a PhD, uh, essentially you have a choice either to apply for additional funds and uh, uh, obtain maybe a fellowship, as a postdoctoral fellowship, or if you are also interested in obtaining a specialty training, you can take the route of the NIHR clinical lectureship, which is what I did. So. Uh, this is a post that is funded for four years by the NHR together with uh, Health Education England and allows you to uh, divide uh, exactly 50% of your time, dedicating it to um, uh specialty training and the other 50% to postdoctoral research. So uh, that's probably the best uh, position that you could aim for if you are looking to uh, get into the academia but uh, being also aware that you can bring forward your specialty training and obtain uh the certificate of completion of specialist training from the HE
1: okay so you have to do a phd to get into an acl role is that right yes so it's
2: uh uh, the targets are uh, general dentists who have uh, obtained already a phd or equivalent uh and uh the yes the the, that that, those are the candidates for a post like
1: this okay and then i think if we start with you rosie in terms of applying for these kind of roles i'll be honest i didn't know that When I was a DCT I didn't know the DCT ACFs really existed until I was in into that DCT role. So I guess first of all how many of these roles are there? Are there there many of them available and how do you actually apply? How do you find these roles to apply for them?
0: Okay, so um, every year for Dentists there's 23 um, of these roles, Um, so that's an academic clinical fellowship and that could be an ACF as a DCT or it could be an ACF as an STR, so there's different levels of entry. Um, Mine as a ACF DCT, the kind of um, application I had was you would uh, apply online via Oriel, So similar to the normal DCT uh, recruitment. So they, they're um,
1: advertised through Oriel. Yes, they're advertised okay. through
0: Oriel, But it's earlier. So for me, it was in October and you have a m- window of like a month um, and then it closes normally in November. I then was shortlisted for an interview late November. Yeah, I think it was late November and then in the new year, found out that I'd been successful, but just being successful at the academic interview, which was face-to-face, doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the role, you need to benchmark at the DCT national recruitment. So you go through the same process as a DCT the difference is it doesn't matter what your ranking is. You don't have to be number one to get the posts that you've applied for. It's just benchmarking. That's how it's kind of different. Okay. You can apply for, you know, you can apply for both and then you can make the decision right at the end. You can see what you've um got via your DCT ranking for the normal clinical training, um, versus what you've got with your ACF role.
1: Okay. So you can end up in a position where you've got your ACF role and a regular DCT role and you can choose between them.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't aware of that until I went through the process, but I I wanted to do the ACF, so it was kind of um, interesting.
1: So it's double interviews then. You have to do the academic interviews and then the DCT.
0: They're very different. Um, So my interview was, I think, two uh, pieces of research. You had to read about it and then they questioned you. Um, They kind of questioned from a layman's perspective, but also from like a researcher's perspective. And it was just also to get to know a little bit about you and what you're interested in terms of research and your previous experiences. Okay. Um, I would say what's important um, if you're thinking about applying is to really look into what research um, existing projects are going on at the universities um, that are hosting the post. So the post is NIHR funded, but it's hosted by the dental school and the NHS Trust there. So, you know, if you, you have an idea of what you're interested in, you need to make sure you're going to a place that would support you. Um, you don't want to be like navigating uncharted waters at such like for me being so novice. Okay. Um Yeah, no, no, that's, and that's, that's really useful. The
1: and then Marco, obviously you're a bit further down that pathway when you apply for an ACL role. What's the process for uh, applying? So.
2: Um... Once the NHR uh, advertise on their website that they have created this post, they should be advertised every year, but it also depends on the location. But once that has been announced, uh, the post is uh, is then put, uh, the advertisement is on Oriel, uh, where, which is basically a platform for um, recruiting uh, in uh, medical and also dental. Um, <clears throat> and then once um, you create your own profile, you, you basically need to go through the application process, which is quite lengthy. So I will suggest to um, anybody to maybe uh, who is looking for this to maybe dedicate like probably a month to complete this uh, application form. And then once uh, you are uh, selected for the for the interview, you, you go through um, uh, this process, which then allows you according to how many points uh, you, you're given in, in terms of ranking to choose the um, uh the location and uh and i suggested maybe you might have a preference because you know that in a certain university there is a, f- a certain field of research that you are uh, keen to to look at and that that is what happened in my case because I, I was given the choice to to choose where i wanted to uh start the cl and and i and i chose the ucl uclh
1: okay
0: so That's- it's quite different then so is that you you're ranked, and then you get to choose where you go. Whereas for, for me, it's like there is a post for me in Birmingham. I've applied for that specific post. Did uh, no, I understand I, that? in my case,
2: basically it depends. So because I was in the first position of the ranking, I, w- I was given the choice. Uh, obviously, the the if 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 you uh, if I were to choose, for example, a different place, then the other person that applied for for that place should have gone in a different uh, location. So. Not sure if that is um, clear. um, No, 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 that makes sense. It's
1: different. And then, so that's completely separate to the NHS recruitment process so you don't have to benchmark in the registrar interviews you don't have anything to do no with
2: that. i mean the interview process is quite strict i remember mm, having to uh, be interviewed probably by four or five panels in the same day and have like a certain amount of time for question it was all time there was always a LA lay member uh, assisting to that and uh, um, the main question i was asked were both clinical and academic so they, they were touching a little bit uh, everything.
1: Okay. That's interesting. And I think, did you say it was 50-50 your role in terms of clinical research? What's the split? How does that work?
2: Yeah. The split is 50-50. So you, essentially once you are appointed as a clinical lecturer, uh, an HR clinical lecturer, you need to be assigned to uh, an educational supervisor. So once you meet your educational supervisor and uh, multiple clinical supervisor, you need to agree on a, on a plan. So every year of your uh, uh, post is uh, starts with. Uh setting the objectives, the aims of that year and how you're going to achieve that and uh, what kind of rota and uh, uh, weekly schedule you will have. And that has to be done, taking into account that 50% has to be research and 50% has to be clinic. But there are some things that might overlap, such as clinical research sometimes when you are involved in treating patients, but also taking part in a trial as well, that might might um, come for both in some situation. Oh, okay, that makes
1: sense. And then the DCT-ACF that's less research, is that right? Is that
0: 25%? Yeah, it's 25 research and like educational activities and then um, 75% clinical training. Um, so yeah, it's mainly on a weekly basis. That's how we I divide my week into a set number of sessions for each. Um, it's just really good. I like the variety. Um, I do a bit of teaching as well as research and um, clinical work. Okay.
1: So I think, um, I think I'm right in saying you both apply to an institution, you don't apply to a department, is that right? So, so for example, if you wanted to do research into Perio, do you apply for somewhere that's specifically advertising as a job where you would do Perio research? Or do you apply for a job and then when you get there, you say, I'd like to do research into Perio and then that's organized. How does the department that you do your research in, how does that come about?
0: Um, it, it might be different to Marco, but my experience is, that you're applying, so the post I applied for was specifically, you know, at Birmingham University. So, um, or there's some ACS that are, I don't know, like any other university, like dental school. Um, so, like I said, it's important to know what's going on in the the, the university that you're applying to. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not tied to anything specific, but it makes sense that you're interested in the ongoing projects that they have going on. Uh, Whereas it might be different for Marco.
2: Um, So once I applied, uh, at least when I did it quite some time ago, there was um, specifically a clinical exercise in periodontics. So Mm -hmm. I knew already that that would have been the subject. And uh, uh, the only question mark was about the institution. uh, But other than that, you are already um, basically looking at uh, working in that field. Okay. then the research project might change because each institution might have a different interest in terms of what kind of clinical research they're doing in the context of periodontology, but uh, uh, the discipline uh, is uh, is set at the beginning.
1: Okay, so I guess you have some flexibility about what you want to do, but I guess you need to have somebody who's going to supervise you that's interested in that and that there's funding or that there's the ability to actually... To do that, so I guess is that right? You have a little bit of flexi- flexibility in terms of the research, but I guess you have to fit into the department that you're
2: working in. You have to fit into the department. My my, I, I, I could say that I was quite lucky because I completed my PhD in the same department I started the clinical lectureship. So, it, I, for me, was really like continuing and uh, expanding what uh, what I was uh, researching. Uh, as a CL, you are also expected to generate funds, so you have to mm, secure funding to carry on your research. Uh, and there are specific uh, funding bodies that are looking at uh, uh, um, evaluating application from C- uh, like a clinical academic clinical lectureship. So th- that's an option I and mean, there are quite few possibilities on that. Uh, in terms of your project normally you should also suggest what you would like to do obviously this has to fit in the remit of uh, of the department or what is the interest but uh, uh, as i said it's uh, th- you might need to have this discussion earlier rather sooner rather than later in order to see whether you fit into and that is uh, satisfactory for you as well
1: yeah No, I guess that's the same for the DCT-ACF. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I I think, like reflecting on it, so because the DCT, it's not specific, I'm not tied to a department which gives flexibility in like what I do clinically. Whereas if it's an ACF-STR position, that's advertised as an ACF-STR in restorative dentistry or ACF-STR in oral surgery. And then I think you're anticipated that your research and your supervisor is likely to be the specialty that that you've advertised. Yeah, that's So similar to what Marco said. That makes sense.
1: So, I guess the next question really is, what what do things look like day to day? So on a day to day basis, week by week basis, what how does your how does your timetable look? How does how does your day to day basis look?
0: Um, so weekly, um, the breakdown for me is that I will have two teaching sessions a week, um, which is good because I'm actually doing like a PG Cert in Clinical Education, so that's really helpful with that. Uh, then I'll have two to three sessions of kind of research activity. So that can be involving in like planning a protocol, applying for funding, applying for ethics, learning new skills. Um, At the start last year, I was having lots of mini projects. So working with like a lab um, with some like maybe PhD students that are already doing something, so that you can um, just kind of learn the skills and get a taste of everything. And then I'll have five to six sessions of um kind of clinical training and that's a real plus with the dct role is you're not tied to a specific specialty it of course depends on the availability of a chair the availability of a nurse and you know you have delays with a consultant that's happy to supervise you but i was really fortunate i've been able to do a mixture of things like were surgery paediatrics, um, just done a stent at uh, Maxaxx at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Um, and now I'm, because I like restorative, that's what I've gone into, um, back into now. So hoping to do that for the rest of the year. Um, now I've tried a little bit of everything and I know that's what I like. So it's given me a lot of freedom. Um,
1: that sounds really good. So you can just negotiate, as long as there's space to accommodate you you can negotiate to work in whatever department
0: as long as you're flexible it can be really really good um but of course you know you have to be very organized and it is slow to start with planning things but once you're set up like it's it's really it's such a varied week I really love like yeah that sounds great
1: that you can get to do different different things and not just be tied to the department that you're doing your research in, I guess. Yeah. Which is and nice, I think being, certainly at the lower, yeah, I was, more junior exactly, levels. Exactly. I
0: was just about to say that being so junior and, you know, you want to make an educated decision if you do want to specialise in what area you want to specialise in. And I think if you do go into those higher roles, it's important to have um, kind of experience in the different specialties as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of freedom. but yeah, you just have to be organized and um, make sure that you're, um, keep your like supervisor in the know of what's going on because it can be like, what are you doing now?
1: Fair enough. And Marco, I guess throughout the four years, it probably changes what you're doing day to day, but you give us a flavor of the kind of things that you get up to.
2: So it is a um, a good mixture of um different activities. Uh so you are supposed to complete your training. So the 50% of time you have to spend it in uh, seeing patient treating patient with, without close or with remote supervision but uh you are basically uh completing a certain amount of number of cases each year so you, you work uh, you set your objective in terms of that and then you you might need to discuss with your clinical supervisor or, or I will need more cases of uh, certain uh, type of patients in order to achieve this goal so you create your schedule in terms of clinic but you spend 50% of your time in that and then the rest is uh, it varies a lot because it might be meetings might be lecturing might be supervising so for example, uh, uh, with me, it worked that uh, after my second year, I started also supervising uh, postgraduate students. So uh, twice a week, I was involved in the clinical supervision, uh, and then mm, the rest of my time was um, dedicated to uh, grant writing and submission, manuscript uh, publication, and uh, uh, overall uh, academic activities related to teaching as well. So there is a mm, it's not a strong component, but you are also supposed to teach as a lecturer. Lecturer. So you might organise uh, seminars with students and then give uh, formal lectures as well.
1: So that's expected in both of your roles, the teaching element, Is that would you say that?
2: Yeah, I would say that teaching is, uh, is still something that in both cases is uh, required. And it's also beneficial because through teaching you actually learn. So it's, uh, it's an yeah. indirect way to, to learn in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely no, I agree with that. If somebody was going to consider applying for either of your roles, what advice would you would you give them? Having now gone through that application process, started the role, I know you've touched on a few things already, but is there any particular advice you would give to people that are considering following in your in your path? Uh,
2: well, uh, I would say uh, have in mind what your final goal is. So, uh, if you have, compl- in my case, if you want uh, to apply for a CL, uh, it is definitely a way to continue your. Uh, research activities but bear in mind that at the end of the four years you need to have already you have to you need to have your long-term plan so it's very important to to define that and be working to towards that goal during these four years so that's the main advice and also i will say uh, it is because it's such a, a great opportunity that is given to a, to a to, to, to a dentist who holds a PhD, uh, if you are looking for an academic career, it is definitely, uh, worth it to apply and, and start this pathway because it, it gives you so much insights and, uh, many, many opportunities also to grow. And, um, that, that would be my advice. Yes.
1: Marzi, what advice would you give to DCTs or DFTs that are thinking about applying for these uh, DCT ACF post.
0: So in terms of like the application, what maybe looking into more so what you need, um, what they're looking for like more of a junior level, obviously I don't have a PhD. It's more, you've just got to show that you've got like an academic aptitude. So it's really good if on your CV, you've got any, you know, undergraduate prizes, um also showing that you have an interest in like research so going to some like specific dental research conferences um I'd give some advice uh, if someone is keen in going into research is to kind of touch base with the university that you graduated from see if you can get involved in any um side projects that you can then maybe publish or present at a conference I think that looks good in your CV I kind of did that and that's what made me stood out for my interview um, but I think the most important thing, and I keep saying it is just like, make sure you do the research on the university that you're looking to apply for. Make sure that it's the research that they do is interesting to you and so that you can be supported.
1: Okay, I think you touched on it there. I think quite a lot of people will probably be thinking if about applying to these roles, like you say, will be quite junior and they might feel like they're expected to have a lot of research experience before they even apply, before they even get into there roles do you think that's the case do you feel like people need to have a lot of research experience to be successful or is it just having the interest that you talked about that's maybe more important
0: it's definitely different for like an ACF DCT compared to an ACF STR I would say Um, so at my level it was just you know academic aptitude um, showing that you have an interest um, and ideally you'd have like a publication um, and having presented a research conference but so I don't think it's it's critical and I think you can look to be doing these things in your FD year. You can look to be doing these things once you're in a DCT role um, because I started mine as a DCT2. So, um, you know, I was doing some research as a DCT1. Um, So there are ways of doing it, it doesn't have to be, you have to have known this before you've graduated Um, and the ACF DCT role is more so kind of a taste, see if you like the research and that it's like looking every year as if you want to apply for a PhD. you know, you can change your mind, nothing's set. Um, whereas my understanding of an ACF STR is that, and obviously it's in the specific specialty area that you would have had more uh, more experience in research. So maybe more publications and actual research than I don't know, maybe like case report um, articles and things like that, okay. if that makes sense. I think
1: that's good. General advice for the DCTs is, to try and get a lot of things under your belt so that you've got opportunities to apply for whatever you want to do. So start early, I guess, is the yeah. is the advice. So Marco, once you've now getting towards the end of finishing your ACL, so you mentioned about um specialty training being part of that. So is that so is that a component of the program? Is that you're sort of guaranteed to be eligible to apply for the specialist list? In whatever specialty you're working in or how does it work in terms of getting your specialty status through an acl program
2: so essentially what happens is that you every year you are evaluated in in terms of what is your progression if that is satisfactory and then you are signed off to continue that up to the end which is the fourth year in order to get the final sign off you need to have um, completed your training according to what your educational supervisor uh, agrees and your clinical supervisor, but also uh, sit at the Royal College of Surgeon exam to gain the membership, in my case, in periodontics. So once that has been awarded, uh, that certificate needs to be forwarded to the uh, panel that judges you at the end, at the RCP and that allows you to be then uh, be provided the ccst the certificate of uh, um, completion of specialist training uh with that then uh you can be included in the specialist list uh, uh in the gtc
1: okay so just by going through that training you're eligible to sit the royal college exams for this for the
2: yes right? so your uh, educational supervisor needs to sign for you Uh, uh, the application, so it requires that signature, uh, which, obviously, once you have completed, you will be given. And then, uh, yes, you you need to pass the, the Imperio either in the royal college of edinburgh or the royal college of uh, england but uh, or in both if you're uh, looking to pass both <laughs> and have a double membership <laughs> i mean right. it's uh but that is something that uh, I, I will plan uh, one thing that i didn't know actually uh, was that you can apply for that exam not necessarily at the end of your fourth year so you can do it also at the end of the third so it is it is wise in my opinion to probably sit at that exam uh even to have a, a feel of what the exam mean because um not uh, obtaining that certificate will then hold your uh, ccst and then your specialist registration
1: okay so get out of the way early if you can or at least get if experience. you can
2: if you are obviously at the right point you, you need to discuss this with your educational supervisor but if uh, if there is uh, support on that it's probably a good idea to uh, to sit at the, at the at the exam
1: okay and then rosie so as a acf dct um it's a three-year role is that right yeah, yeah. is that the same for all of them or
0: Pretty much yeah. as um, like a dental, I would say, the ACF roles are normally three years.
1: And then in terms of what you get at the end of it, do you get completion of DCT certificates? What, How does it work in terms of recognising those three years?
0: Yeah, so you get every year you get a completion of DCT um, and at the end of the ACF post, what you're looking for is you so i mentioned kind of doing like pilot studies getting pilot research data and that's so that you can put forward a competitive application for a um doctoral research fellowship so that's funding for a phd um so that's kind of the two options after doing an acf dct role you can go down the route of trying to apply for a phd funding to do the phd or maybe you know depending on how well your research is going, whether you feel like you need more data to support your application, you can then look towards maybe the next step if you want to um, do more clinical training as well Um, and progress that way would be to be an ACF STR. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so it's a similar, you've got the um, three years for the kind of the clinical fellowship whilst you're then also doing seventy-five percent of your time the clinical training. Um but like a DCT ACF, you also have to um bench um under national recruitment. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's a very competitive procedure, but it, it doesn't have to be your number one. It can be as long as you benchmark. Um if that the interviewer had the academic the ACF interview, as long as they've accepted you, then you would get the post and then hopefully that's like biding you more time to make sure you have a really really competitive phd application um with um NIHR and so once you've applied for the fellowship my understanding is that you can take time out of your training to do the phd then come back into the training to complete it to do the ccst okay.
1: so Now that we know the options that are available, out of interest, what are your guys next steps? Where are you planning on going from here? Marco, we'll start with you first. What are your next plans? My
2: options are either applying for a senior clinical uh, lectureship, Maybe still with the NIHR because that's something that's the uh, is available from uh, from from this body, uh, or look at something supported by again uh, an intermediate fellowship supported by a charity. Uh, so submitting a research project and ask for funding both for my salary and the project for the next three up to five years. Or, or apply in a, um, in an institution uh, for a for a senior lectureship, which uh, ideally will then be joined with the honorary consultancy uh, as a mono specialty in periodontology. In my case, so th- this is the th- these, these are my options at the moment. I'm actually uh, working towards all of them because you cannot, and that's an advice I will give always: rely on just one 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 option because things might not necessarily go in the way you predict. So it's better to have two or three possibilities and uh, for the continuation of your uh, career.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and Rosie, what are, you, what are you thinking? Is that um, PhD tempting you? Are you thinking about that route? Are you thinking about ACFSTR? Are you thinking about something else? What kind of uh, pathway are you gonna follow from here, do you think?
0: So it's really open, um, so I can do whatever um, in terms of, If someone's in my position, they could, you know, they might decide, no, they don't want to do academia. They might want to go down like an NHS um, SDR training pathway or, you know, might be like, no, I want to do monospec or something like that. For me, it's going to depend on like this year, next year, basically on how much um, pilot data I get and how strong a PhD application I'll have. Um, Depending on that determines whether I'll apply for PhD or maybe look to see where there's an ACF SDR post um and then bench
1: nationally okay sounds good it's pretty open <laughs> sounds good um so yeah that's been really useful it's been really great uh, hearing about all these different options and hopefully the people that are listening will be inspired to follow more of an academic pathway um i think t- to finish off we'll ask some some questions that we ask of everybody so first of all i'd like you to describe three things that you enjoy about your job uh, currently? So Rosie. I do
0: I'll go first. Um, that's what I enjoy. I've kind of touched on it like the um, variety. Like I really enjoy having a mixture of um, research, teaching, clinical. It's just nice to have the different environments because they all have different kind of pressures and different um, things that I like about them. Um, I like, so that's my first point what else do i love i really like learning the new skills in terms of the research obviously i'm quite junior so it's been really enjoyable looking at how different research um kind of works. Um I feel like it's helped me appraise at least, you know, manuscripts better, um, evidence better, so that it's not only affecting my kind of research career, but also as I work as a dentist, how I'm analyzing information. And that's been really valuable and that's what I've really enjoyed. Um, and then finally, I think it's just um, you know, you're not taking in information when you do research, you're like finding new things and I think that's what's really exciting it's just the the fact that you know you might make a difference um to someone's clinical um kind of clinical outcomes and it's just being at the front of like learning new information I find that like exciting
1: well, that all sounds good and Marco what three things would you say you uh, enjoy most about your job
2: well I definitely enjoyed um, about my post the flexibility that it, uh, it gives you so it's a, it's an element that for me is quite important and uh, allows me to to plan in a way that uh, i can achieve, achieve certain goals but not necessarily all all the time in in the same way so you you have room for uh, for adjusting uh, uh, your your work your work schedule and that's that's very important I I I like about this post the opportunities that it gives. So it's uh, in terms of uh, interacting with uh, uh, both sides of the um, of the let's say of, of the world in at least in periodontology, the clinical side and the academic side. So you are given the opportunity to uh, set up a new field of research or have a meeting with uh, uh, new. Uh, mm, Staff members of different uh, disciplines within the, the UCL. UCL is is great in terms of that. So it, it gives you a chance to interact with uh, with a lot of departments. And um, and then yes, I like I like the teamwork that that comes with it because uh, there is definitely an element related to self-drive in this kind of post. But uh, uh, the key to success is then establishing your your team and making it uh sort of uh, functional and uh, working for you as well so th- that's what i enjoy the most but I, I i would like to say that this is like the nhr is providing a fantastic opportunity to uh researcher to continue their career through this post
1: that's great and then i think the final question um having gone through your own journeys to this point where you're at now if you were gonna reflect back and give some advice to your younger self, what one piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
2: I think what I would say to me is like, focus on your goal, uh, be very uh, aware that you have a target and uh, enjoy the, the journey, but uh, don't lose focus on what is the things that you need to achieve. So I think that it's it's really, really important to continue to, to bear that in mind all the time uh, because these four years have been quite challenging so they you, you are supposed to to achieve a lot and 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 the work is uh, is demanding so resilience that's 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 what i I will say that's the advice
1: okay and am
0: uh for me so giving advice to myself maybe in this post what i would say is Uh, it's a steep learning curve like you think you know yeah i know a little bit about research before you go into it um but like it's a very steep learning curve and just make sure that you know you are in a you're in a team that's very supportive so ask for help when you need it and i think i don't know people that probably apply for these kind of posts are normally used to just being like yeah i'll get on and do it but it's knowing and recognizing when to you know seek guidance because it's quite a big big world research so um it's always good to ask for help
1: That's great. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your time to uh, speak to us today about your experiences. I'm sure it's been very useful for a lot of our listeners, uh, even if they just now understand the acronyms as a
2: start. Um, But Thank you very much.
0: No, thank you. Thank
2: you for inviting us.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, Please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes.